What is that crowd over there? What is it? What is that crowd doing? It's a, it's a big crowd, and they are standing close to a lake, the Lake of Gennesaret, in the northern part up north in, in Israel, in Galilee. And it seems they are pushing hard, pushing hard and stretching their necks so that they can listen to someone who is explaining the Word of God to them. There seems to be an eager expectation from this person with a capital P. There seems to be a great interest into what he say. Let Children, let's come a little closer. Let's see what is happening. Now, now look at that. As they are pressing to come near, as they are straining to hear, as they as they are almost pushing that one who is speaking into the water, there's almost no room for the Lord Jesus. Because that's the one who is speaking. That's the one who is standing there. He's almost pushed into the water. Their seeming eagerness to hear what the Savior has to say actually makes it difficult for the Savior to continue to bring his message. Jesus looks around him. Uh, There he sees some fisher boat standing on the beach, two a little further away, and A little further again, he sees those fishermen who own that boat, and they are busy washing their nets, and their nets need to be clean for the next time they go out fishing. And they need to be washed and stretched out properly, otherwise the nets rot, and they can't do their work next time. Look, what is the Lord doing now? He moves away from the crowd. Something unusual. He calls also one, one of those fishermen closer, whose name is Simon, and he comes closer and he talks a little bit with the Lord Jesus. And then we see Simon Peter take one of those little boats and he pushes it into, those, into the water and the Lord Jesus steps into that boat And there he sits on the front of that boat, on the front of the ship. And that's unusual. There he continues his sermon. Don't you think, children, that's that's strange? That's strange. The Lord Jesus uses this little boat as his pulpit. And there he throws out the gospel net from the boat because that's Jesus' aim he is seeking to catch men Jesus is the one who comes to seek and to save those who are lost that's what he does tonight as well among us seeking those who are lost and seeking to build up those who are saved But Jesus is doing something more than only speaking the word and seeking those who are lost. Jesus is making disciples, those who follow after him, 
Jesus is also in the business of breaking disciples. Breaking disciples? Yes. Breaking disciples. So that they are eager to listen to his voice and eager to follow wherever he leads. Not just listening for the word for themselves, no, so that they become eager to catch men as well. So let's listen together tonight from Luke 5, verses 1 through 11, how Jesus does that, how he does that. How does he not only make disciples who are eager to to listen to the word of God for themselves, but also make them eager to serve others and to, to make them useful for his kingdom? And the first thing that we need to notice from our passage tonight is a broken night. A broken night. I don't think many of us like broken nights, do we? The truth is that we, you and I, we, we live in a broken world, don't we? And so things break down. Bodies break down. Minds break down. Cars break down. Houses break down. Children's toys break down, don't they? Brains, emotions, they can all break down. We live in a broken down. Everything around us can break down. Society can break down. And sometimes we worry, don't we, when when something breaks down in our lives or we get frustrated because it goes so different than we thought it would go. Or when something breaks down, we feel like failures. But God sometimes gives us broken nights, don't he? Doesn't he? And moms and dads, you, you know that perhaps of, of this one or that one, my son, my daughter, is it going well? Is he going or she going to serve the Lord? And you lay awake, worrying, praying. Or office bearers, they can, they can worry too about what is happening in the church and, and they feel the load on their shoulders or, or business owners, what is going to happen with my business with, with all the things that are going on around us we, we, can, we can worry we can worry and we can have a broken night in our text, Peter and John they also have a broken night but um, not so much because they are worrying no, they are working hard they are working hard working hard to do their job, to catch some fish. And they were men, strong men, and, and confident men, and an able man. Being a fisherman was not a job for those who were unwilling to work and unwilling to deny themselves. They were used to work together. And they were used to hard work, late nights. Many nights it went well, and, they, and they had, when they had a good night, they came back to the shore, and they had this boat filled with all the fish, and they were happy and thankful and exhausted, perhaps. And then early morning, they came to the shore with a boat full of fish. But this night, we read in our text, was different. No fish, empty nets. Empty nets. 
It wasn't because they hadn't tried. It wasn't because they were inexperienced. It wasn't because they were not trying to use the means or because they didn't have a clear goal in mind. No, all that was true. They had a very simple goal. Catch fish. Catch fish. Fill that boat. Now, can you imagine in that circumstance you come to the shore with an empty boat? Can you imagine what happens in the mind of Peter when the Lord Jesus says to him in verse 4, Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your net for a draft. Can you imagine? In other words, just sail out into, into, uh, a little away from, from the shore and into the open water and do it one more time, one more time. And throw those nets overboard. Don't you think there must have been questions in the heart of Peter, some reluctance there? Lord Jesus, we love to, to hear your word, but this? Feeling tired, frustrated, feeling perhaps like a failure, and then the Lord Jesus telling him what to do. Yes, we can understand it when he would have said, thought something in it. Lord Jesus, just continue preaching. Do what thou art good at, and I will do my thing. Don't we hear that frustration in, in verse 5? Master, we have toiled all night, and we have taken nothing. It's been a broken night. It's been a difficult night. It's been a discouraging night. It's been hard. And the night actually was the best time to fish. So can we imagine a little bit that he might have reasoned like this? Well, if we don't catch anything in the night, how are we going to catch anything during the day? The best time is night. Beloved, have, have we ever come in our lives to situations like that? Where you say, I, I don't know. The net is empty. The net is empty. You're ready to give up. Maybe at work, or at school, at church, parenting. Ready to give up. Do you know that? We've tried everything. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. And you come to the end of your resources. You come to the end of your own ideas. We don't like that spot, do we? But it's a good spot. It doesn't seem to work. And still you see those empty nets staring at you. And it seems it's not going to change. What do you and I need in moments like that? We need the humility and the obedience to listen to the voice of the Savior and to obey Him, whatever He says. 
So often we start reasoning if I do A, B, or C. Normally that works, and maybe that works again. And we think, if I do this, maybe I will catch fish. But beloved, the Lord Jesus doesn't need your and my plans. He doesn't. He really doesn't. He doesn't need your and my ideas. He, not, he wants something different. He wants your and my heart obedience. That's what he wants. He wants that we would look to him for everything and that he begins to supply everything for us so that we would stand in awe of his grace and his majesty and of his glory. That's what he wants. Obey so that he can be everything. And we see Peter here in this passage, frustrated after this broken night. But he was willing to obey, although it was reluctant, wasn't it? Master, we have toiled all night. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And this word master can be translated leader, or you could say more in the sense of the boss. Maybe he sounds a little irreverent, but that's kind of the sound of this word, the boss, someone who should be obeyed. And, and we hear him say, as it were, fine, I, I will lie, let down that net. Because the Lord says so. Now, beloved, how, how about you and me? How do we, when we hear the word of God, how do we respond? How do we respond? Do we respond more like Peter, reluctant? Or do we come with wholehearted obedience and say, Lord, I'm thy servant. Use me. Not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. How do we come? Do we trust him when he speaks to us? Do we respond with faith? Do we submit to him? Well, Peter was reluctant. And that shows that he wasn't done with Peter yet. He had a lot of work to do with him. And so he is not done with you and me either. The Lord has work to do with us. Because after this broken night, something else needed to break. What was it, children? It was the net that needed to break. And that brings us to our second thought here. A broken night, a broken net. So do you see them go? There they go. They, they launch out into the deep. They, they take this little ship to the open water. And there they go. They throw out their net one more time. And let's not forget, it, was, it wasn't... They hadn't caught one single fish for the whole night. So what do you think? What would their expectation be? What kind of expectation would they have? I think their expectation was zero. And yet they, they throw out 
At daytime, yes, at daytime. And they throw out this net. And something glorious happens. Something that nobody in this little ship would have expected except for the master of this world, the master of the waves, the master creator, the Lord Jesus Christ in that little ship. He knew. He knew what he was going to do. For everyone else, it took him took them completely by surprise, something that except when you see it, you would barely believe that it happens. Because the Lord was doing this marvelous work of changing a heart, changing a heart of, of Peter here, and changing the lives of, 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 of the, and the course of the life of these fishermen here in that little boat. Something that only can be described as a glorious miracle of the Lord himself. Look at that net for a moment. Look at that net. It has been thrown out into the water and we learn from verse 6 that it was this kind of a trap net that it sinks to the bottom and then you can pull a string or something and then it traps these fish in the net. And now, now when they are throwing out the net, suddenly the net is filled with fishes. It begins to teem with fish. And these strong men can barely get this net out of the water. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes. And their net break. So the the, the net begins to break. It begins to tear. Why? Because of the sheer number of fishes in that net. They're trapped in that net. Can we imagine what what that must have been for Peter, James, and John? Can we imagine all night catching nothing? It is as if it if if there was no fish in the in the whole lake. They caught nothing. And now this their boat is filled. And and then the the net is ready to burst and to break. The net is so full that the boat is filled right up and they are beckoning. They are saying to to those at the the shore, come, come, help us, help us. They are probably too far so that they they, they can be heard, but they they say, come. And and there this this little boat comes and, and they fill up that second boat as well to overflowing and, and, and that, those two little boats, they begin to sink. Verse 7 tells us. What a miracle. Now, what makes the difference? What makes the difference? The whole night, fishing, catching nothing. And now here... The Lord Jesus commanding them and they go. They throw out. Net is filled. Boat is filled. What, what, what's the difference? No, I, I, should, I should say it a little different. Who makes the difference? Who makes the difference? Jesus makes the difference. He makes the difference. 
He always does. After this broken night, no fish, trying everything, reluctant to obey. No, though, no glory for these fishermen. No. And now this broken net full of fish. Why? Jesus is with them in the boat. Jesus is with them. That makes all the difference. And all glory goes to him. Think about it. When Jesus speaks, he speaks with authority. Even reluctant hearts have to come and obey his voice. He speaks with authority. At night, Jesus was not in their boat. They were there on their own. And sometimes that's how it feels in the Christian life, doesn't it? That Jesus is, is, is not with us. See, Jesus makes all the difference. Now he is with them in the boat. He is close. That's what we need, don't we? That Jesus comes close to us. That his presence is there with us. What makes the difference? Well, it's Jesus' grace. Because look at Peter, reluctant. A reluctant man. And now look at the boat, filled to overflowing. That's grace. That's grace. Marvelous grace. Glorious grace. Think about it. Who makes all the difference? It is the Lord of glory who is there with them in the boat. The Lord who is mighty, whose voice, everything in creation obeys his voice. Creation recognizes his voice. Those fish that seemed to be gone out of the lake, now suddenly they came and at the voice of the master, at the will of the master, they swim right into the net. Isn't that glorious? Isn't Jesus glorious? Because this is a miracle. We can make it. We can fake it. It's God's work. And he gets all the glory. And so it is in our lives when he does something that we can do, for instance, when he saves us, all glory goes to him and him alone, and all adoration goes to him and him alone. And when he does something glorious, and when he does that mighty miracle of regeneration in our hearts, it is so that we would give and ascribe to him all glory and honor and praise. And when it is for his glory, it's for the good of us, his people. See, we often look at the circumstances. How can we do this and that and the other thing? How can we change them a little bit so that it's better? We think we 
must do something different, or we can do this or that. And we often tragically think that we can do that apart from leaning on Jesus Christ and having him close, don't we? That's our problem by nature. We think we have something. God gives us good brains and we use them and we think, well, yeah, I can use them. And we use them to get out of trouble in our own way. When you and I have been go-getters, we, we can do it. We think we can do it. We think we can get the job done that way. When the Lord gives us certain skills and we think, oh, we use those skills. Yes, we need to use those skills, but how? Too often we run on in our own strength, don't we? Natural strength to get the job done. But no, that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. There's one law in the kingdom of God, and this is the law of the kingdom of God. What should be done in the power of the Spirit can never be done in the power of the flesh. Or to put it in different words. Without me, you can do nothing. You and I, we can do nothing. Entirely nothing. However much we try, however much we try all night. Beloved, Jesus doesn't need us, yet he wants to use us. That, that's the wonder of grace. He wants to use us. But how? How? He wants to use us when we depend on him, when he is close, when we listen to his word, when we are led by the Spirit, when he comes with his presence, when he commands us, when he speaks to us, never independent from him. Without him, we can do nothing. Isn't that the object lesson we have to learn from this broken net? Jesus breaks something. To show that whatever you try in your own strength, it's, it's futile. It's vain. It doesn't accomplish ever anything. He is telling that one important lesson that you and I need to learn for the first time or again. Without me, you can do nothing. Not even catch a natural fish. We actually need him for, for, for life, normal life, day-to-day -day life, for all the things we need to do every day. We can't do anything without him. In him we move and live and have our being. Beloved, how often have we failed here? We think we are clever, so... We trust our cleverness. We think we, we have been gifted emotionally and able to, to uh, somehow influence people our way. And so we use that. We think that's going to do it. Or we have willpower. I can do it. And so we think that. That is going to do it. 
Or we think, well, if, if I'm just busy and active, the more activity, the better. That's going to do it? No, it's not. It's not. What is the Lord teaching us here in this lesson when this broken net is before us, as it were, before our eyes tonight? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. That's what we need to learn, don't we? Because here is the master fisherman, Jesus Christ, in the boat. And often this master fisherman does things that we don't expect. Often the master fisher works with broken things. Broken things. Why? Because he knows that you and I tend to go astray by leaning on our own power. He knows that. And in order to learn and teach us, teach us that, we, that we are dependent on him, sometimes he has no other choice than breaking something. To get our attention. And to do that work that he cannot do when everything is just fine and going our way. He knows that he accomplishes sometimes more when he breaks something in our lives. Do you know this? Jesus is that one who not only uses broken nights and broken nets... But he aims, as he does these things in our lives, he aims for something deeper. He aims for a broken heart in our lives. So that you and I become people who don't steal his glory. But learn to depend on him for everything, for life and godliness. So that we learn that lesson, without me you can do nothing. But also the op opposite. Well, no, it's not the opposite. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that our eyes open, are opened for his glory. And that brings us to our third thought here. A broken man. Children, that must have been an amazing sight. Don't you think? When these strong and capable men, fishermen, are rowing back. Think about it. The boat was filled. So there they are. They are probably rowing back. And there's all these flopping fish around them. And much more fish than they normally catch. And there they row to shore. 
And perhaps by the time they, they, they reach the shore, there is something in Peter that that does that is done by by the gracious and glorious work of the Lord. His heart is touched and his heart is changed. Peter knows beyond the shadow of a doubt this is beyond me. And Peter recognizes this is something that only God can do. Only God can do this. Listen to what Peter does and says in verse 8. When Peter, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, I am a sinful man, O Lord. Do you see what happens here? Peter actually is terrified at the glory of Jesus' presence, at the holiness of Jesus' presence. He responds like, like each one of us when we see something of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. When we see something, when we have our first glance of our sinfulness, that's, that entered at the same time this, this first sight of God's grace and God's power and God's glory. He experiences what each one of us experiences when God puts his finger on, our, on the sore spot in our lives. Our sins. It is something that, that is much like what happened in Isaiah, in Isaiah 6. Remember when, when, when Isaiah was seeing in this vision the glory of, of God sitting upon the throne and the angels around it surrounding the throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. When, when, when Isaiah was in the presence of this holy God, what happened? What did he say? He said, woe is me, I am undone, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live in, in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And so it is here with Peter. He tastes something of the glory and the holiness and the beauty of God. And this is what he says. Depart from me, I am a sinful man. O Lord. Why? Why does he say that? Isn't it because when we, you and I, especially Peter, here at the beginning of his discipleship, Jesus is just calling him in the end of this, chapter, uh, end of this, uh, this passage. Isn't it often that, that we don't know how to deal with our sin and our guilt? We don't know what to do with it. It's so pervasive when we see it and we don't know what to do with it. And, and, and it's crippling. And, and so what, what, what we say is, is, is if, if Jesus goes away, then, then, then maybe this, 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 this feeling inside, this guilt that oppresses me, will go away too. And that's what he says here. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Beloved, have we come to that place in our lives? That's, that's an important place. 
That's where God works. Does glorious and mighty, a mighty work of regeneration. In God's presence, you and I stand guilty and condemned, humbled and broken. And, and listen, what, what it does in Peter's life and your and my life when we are changed like that, that annoyed ver, voice of verse 5, Master, we have toiled all night. What is, how does it change? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He says, humbled and broken. No, not just the tone has changed. It's the heart. It's the attitude of the heart that has changed here. That's what God loves to do for sinners like you and me. And he not only uses broken nights and broken nets, he aims always at this broken heart of sinners like you and me. It is the broken heart in, in which he delights. Not for the broken heart's sake, no, for Christ's offering and sacrifice's sake. But, but, but this, is, this is what is so needed in your and my life. We, when we don't have a broken heart, we think we are entitled to it. This and that and the other thing. I must have this and that. But when we taste of God's amazing grace for such a sinner as we are, what does it do? Verse 9, we see that Peter is astonished. Now, what does that mean? That word astonished means that he literally is surrounded with astonishment, with, with, with awe and amazement. And the glory and the beauty of God. He's completely overpowered. He's overwhelmed. He feels feel hemmed in by the glory of God. He sees that boat. He sees those fish. So many. He remembers his reluctance, his sinful heart. He realized that he actually finds himself in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Here in the presence of Jesus. And he says now not master. No, he says something different. Oh Lord. The one who is sovereign over all things in your and my life in this entire world. Everything is under his control. Oh, Lord. Whose holiness is glorious. Whose might is beyond description. Whose power is reason to be in awe this evening. Beloved Peter, here is a broken man. And this was only the beginning. He had many more lessons to learn. And so do, so do we when God brings us at that point. We have many more lessons to learn where God breaks us further and further. Brokenness. Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Do you know that? Do you know that? Not just in words, but really. 
Do we know what brokenness is and what it looks like? God loves to honor and use the brokenhearted in his service. The brokenhearted. What does it look like? I, well, I read a quote and I'm going to read a few things in which it contrasts broken people, proud people, because that's the opposite. That's the opposite. Listen well. Broken people focus on the failures of others. Not proud people, rather. Broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own spiritual need. Proud people have an independent, self-sufficient spirit. Broken people have a dependent spirit, and they recognize their need for God and others. Proud people claim rights. They have a demanding spirit. Broken people yield their rights. They have a meek spirit. Proud people desire to be a success. Broken people are motivated to be faithful and to make others a success. Proud people feel confident in how much they know. Broken people are humbled by how much they have to learn. Proud people don't think they have anything to repent of. Broken people realize they have need of a continual hard attitude of repentance. Proud people desire to be served. Broken people are motivated to serve others. Beloved, as we examine our hearts in the light of God's holiness before the Lord, what about me? What about you? Where are we? What has the Lord done in your and my life? Do we know this brokenness? Do we know what it means that God tests our attitudes in the, in the radiance of His holiness? Do we know that? J.I. Packer was once in an, in an interview asked, how have you come to know in all those years the Lord? He said this, I have come to know the Lord, especially as the one who exposes my sin in an ongoing way. Because without brokenness, when we are still proud, we are not saved. Now, that doesn't mean that we cannot struggle with pride, but then the Lord has opened our eyes and we know it. That's different. Without brokenness, we are actually useless for the kingdom of God. We are hindering the kingdom of God. Do we know this voice of Peter here? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now, Peter was just beginning in his discipleship here. So he, he says something, and often his, his tongue got him into trouble. We know that, right? 
But um, he says here something that he didn't understand fully. These feelings of guilt, he didn't know what to do with it. Do you know that? When you feel guilty, where do you go? Where do you go? Do we know where to go where we, when we feel exposed? Well, where do we go? Right there where Peter is. He fell down on his knees at the feet of Jesus Christ. That's where we need to, do, need to go and confess, Lord. Lord, I have sinned. I have sinned. I am a sinner. Cleanse me, Lord. These are my sins. Have mercy upon me, Lord. Peter would understand later. He would write about that. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you, that he may exalt you in due time. Peter had to learn more about the Savior, and so do we. When we have seen our sin, we need more of him, don't we? We, he needed to see more of the Savior who comes so low, who stoops down and washes the feet of his, of his, the dirty feet of his disciples as a picture of what he would do very soon after as he humbled himself and became a servant. He became a servant and he stooped down from heaven he lay down, laid beside his glory, and he came to Bethlehem. And he walked this earth to do what? To be crucified. To humble himself all the way to the cross. Hallelujah. What a Savior. To deliver Peter's sinners like you and me from our self-sufficiency, a self-centeredness, so that we become instruments, so that we become God-centered, Christ-centered, and that we serve with broken-heartedness. And he continued to do that work in Peter's life. Do you remember there when he was that other time, when, when he was there at the shore again, and again there was a, a, a lot of fish, and Christ again had spoken. Do you remember that time, children? What, what, what did the Lord Jesus say to Peter? He broke him a little further. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? What a question. Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. You see, it was not words, but actions that showed, ultimately, that there was a break with his old life. And that brings us to our last point here, fourthly and finally and briefly, a broken partnership. Because here's Peter, 
knees of Jesus Christ in astonishment, uh, surrounded in, in wonder and amazement and humbled and broken. And he was not the only one because he was a fisherman with James and John. It says there that he was in a partnership with them. He was working together in running a, a, a fisher company, fisherman company. And, um, but this was the moment that, that the Lord was going to change around their lives. Listen to verse 10b. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Peter, those, those broken nets, just leave them at the shore, please. The, 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 those, those moments when you think you need to trust yourself and all, your, all what you can do, leave that behind. Just leave it. That's the picture, right? And now I have got something better for you. How about the gospel net? How about the gospel net? A far better net. And, and, and now learn to use that gospel net and throw it out depending on me. On me. You see what is happening here? A glorious thing. There is Jesus. He is, he's standing on the shore. He is throwing out the gospel net. And then he goes to the ship and he throws out the gospel net another time. And then he throws out the gospel net another time and he reaches the heart of Peter and he is caught in the net of the gospel. How glorious. And he says, wait a moment, Peter. There's something for you to do. You need to use this gospel net and, and I will teach you how to do it. You now use that gospel net, that same gospel net I used in your life. Follow me. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Yes, you are a sinner. And we continue to struggle with sin till the last breath. But don't let that overwhelm you. Although it is at times overwhelming. But you will see my glory. You will taste something of my grace. You will experience more of my holiness. And I will continue to expose my, your sins in, my li in your life. Your pride, pride in your darkness. Yes. But, but I will be with you. And I will teach you how to use the gospel net. So that you can catch men, nothing like those fish you are used to catch. And you bring them dead to the market. No, no, Peter, life fish. Men, they will be trapped in the gospel net. And, and when you and I are trapped in the gospel net, we actually are set free. We are set free to serve the Lord. And to love him. What is the freedom all about? He teaches us this. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. That's what he teaches us. Do you know this? This is glorious freedom. And if your eyes are still closed tonight. Then you say. Hmm, that's not freedom. 
That's because your eyes are still closed. You can see. But when the Lord opens your eyes and when the Lord opens your heart, you see it. Glory. Freedom. True freedom. And then he teaches us to leave everything behind. Because here we see in these last verses a broken partnership. Verse 11, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. That's what broken sinners do. They follow Jesus. They follow Jesus. And they forsake all and they have one goal in life, to know and to, to know better him who is altogether lovely and to please him. For some it means that we have to leave everything, but for some others it means simply that he becomes number one, not our business, not our work, not our family, not our church, not our home, not our school, not our ease, not our pleasure, no nothing, not our idols, but he becomes number one in our lives. That's what it means when we are disciples, when we follow, we follow Jesus Christ, when we fall on our knees and we confess and we say, this is, this is the glorious Savior. And so look, there they go. This fisherman business, is the partnership is broken, but, but know that partnership is actually not broken. Now they are partners in the gospel. And Jesus is going to teach them as they together follow Jesus. Partnership in the gospel. And there they go. Jesus before and they follow. What about the future? What about the future? Future can make us afraid, can it? What did Jesus say? Fear not fear not follow me forsake all throw out the gospel net right where you are right where the Lord has placed you and you may do so with great expectation look at Peter we've just celebrated Pentecost didn't we there he stands Peter, broken, humbled, useful, yes. Spirit comes upon Peter. He throws out the gospel net, and what a catch. What a miracle catch. 3,000 men. That's what God does. We serve this God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He uses broken nights. He uses broken nets. He uses broken men and women and boys and girls who break with their old way of life, begin to follow Jesus, and make him their all, number one. And he uses miraculously such broken people 
And he's willing that when we come with our empty nets, to fill it for us so that he gets all the glory and that you and I fall down and worship before him and are in awe and say, Lord, why? Why me, such a sinner as I am? Why do this for me? Why be willing to do that? Do you know these broken sounds of gospel grace? Broken sounds. Because Jesus makes all the difference. Amen.